going to end. They'll just focus more on counterterrorism and humanitarian exercises and avoid many combat simulations. Last week, U.S. lawmakers moved to block the sale of some 20,000 rifles to the Filipino police, citing Duterte's human rights record. That was the first move by the U.S. to punish Duterte since he came into office in June. For more global news headlines, visit TalkMediaNews.com. X-Ray FM would like listeners to know that Oregon isn't an accident. Things that make it great, like iconic scenery, wonderful farmland, and walkable cities depend on land use planning. This is the work of 1,000 Friends of Oregon, a nonprofit organization. Since 1975, 1,000 Friends has worked for a beautiful, balanced, and productive Oregon. More information at friends.org. One, two, three, uh-huh. And now Grow PDX. Grow PDX is a show focusing on horticulture, community food systems, and agriculture. Today on Grow PDX, we're talking about Master, Master Gardener Program with Jordis Yost, Program Representative of OSU Extension Services. If you have a question you want our experts to answer, call 503-233-9729 or shoot us a text at 971-220-5979. And you're listening to KXRY Portland here. Uh, again, the number to call is 503-233-9729 or text at 971-220-5979. And now we turn to the host of Grow PDX, Weston Miller. Hi, I'm Weston Miller. To start the show today, I want to invite you to take a break from your post-election hangover to focus on positive ways to make the world a better place. Start by envisioning a community or school garden where the simple act of growing food can strengthen human connection and provide countless opportunities for education. Throw in some herbs like lavender and rosemary, which have aromatic oils proven to have a calming effect on people, and some native plants like organ grape to attract pollinators, and you've got the recipe for positive and proactive activities that are within our own control. Volunteerism is another way to make a positive contribution to the community. And the Master Gardener Program is a way to bring together both the positive nature of gardening and volunteerism. I imagine that many of you out there in X-Ray Radio Land have heard about Master Gardener volunteers or seen them at farmer's markets, but know very little about the program. Well, to help us to learn more about the Master Gardener Program, we'd like to welcome Jordis Yost to the show. She's Program Representative for the OSU Extension Service Master Gardener Program, and she joins us here in the studio of X-Ray FM. Welcome, Jordis. Hey, Weston. Thanks for having me today. And if you have a question about the Master Gardener Program during this half hour of Grow PDX, you should call in. Give us a shout at 503-233-9729, or you can text us 971-220-5979. We'd love to hear from you. Jordis, you work for OSU as a program representative with the Master Gardener Program. Tell us about your work. Well, there's a great program, Master Gardeners, and... Um, I basically help manage the volunteers. So the, the aspect is uh, people that are interested in gardening take classes and they, and they share what they learned uh, in volunteer roles. So I sort of assist in organizing the classes, um, locations and support for the trainees. Really a large part of what I do is support the volunteer aspect so that the people can be successful. Okay, so uh, why don't you define what a Master Gardener volunteer is exactly? So a Master Gardener volunteer is someone who has been through some pretty intensive training, and then at the end of the training, they do a hands-on part where they actually answer gardening questions uh, coming from the public, and they're backed up 
by the training that they got and also they're taught how to access uh, research-based information through OSU Connections and other um, universities of credit. All right. The idea is that Master Gardeners get training and then they give back to the community and they do that by volunteering. And we're going to talk in more detail about all those volunteer opportunities. How about the training? Tell us more specifically, what kind of training do people receive? So when the volunteers um, receive their initial training, they're sort of taught the basics. So we start from the beginning, the ground up, so to speak. So we've got instruction on soils, uh, botany, uh, entomology, the study of insects. We talk about uh, sustainable gardening, and that's actually the name of our book, Sustainable Gardening. And uh, it's very much research-based information. So the trainees sit in a classroom situation and learn from instructors. Uh, they might be representatives of OSU in special areas or uh, other experts. And then um, they also learn how to access that information as they go into their volunteer parts. And I'll go ahead and add to it that we offer a hybrid program where folks take some classroom training. We also have online content. And then in addition to that, we've got hands-on workshops and all of that's part of the, um, the, the training that folks get. And how many volunteers, uh, let's see, actually, what sorts of activities do t- people do as, ma- as Master Gardener volunteers? So when the volunteers emerge from the training, of course, they don't have a lot of um, confidence, shall we say. So they work with other volunteers that have kind of done these activities before. And some of the things that they can do, they act uh, as a resource uh, giving credit, credible, effective, research-based information in things around town. They work on the, there's three different phone offices where the public can call in and get some great information. They can also uh, email in pictures, uh, descriptions. They can actually even bring in samples of what they're looking for. Uh, Master Gardeners do this also in public venues. They work in farmer's markets, some retail nurseries, um, they all do. They do this all as a volunteer, and every time they answer a question, they get that much smarter. So there's activities that are hands-on, like working in demonstration gardens, uh, some school gardens. Plant um, sales. Plant sales, yes. All sorts of activities, but the general idea is that it's sharing information. So people in the public have questions about gardening, and Master Gardeners help to answer those questions. They do, and they've, they've come to know that Master Gardeners are going to be in these venues, and so they seek them out, and that's really a good feeling. Jordan, how many volunteers are involved in Oregon and maybe just the metro area here, too? Well, there's about 3,500 Master Gardeners in Oregon itself, and about 800 of those are right in this Portland metro area. So that's that's about a quarter of the Master Gardener volunteers in the whole state are located in this Tri-County area. And you're volunteer coordinator for all of those 800 folks? Yes. Oh, my. Jordis, what's the history of the Master Gardener program? So the history of the Master Gardener program, I think, is really interesting. Um, in, the sem- in 1972, in Washington State, there was an extension agent there named Dr. David Gibby, and he was uh, kind of the county expert in the Seattle area, and he also had to share responsibilities with another county. So as the interest in gardening rose, there was lots of questions that came in and sat on his desk. So when he transferred between one county to the other, he'd come back and there might be 80 messages for him to answer. And this is back in the day when there was like paper messages that he would get. That's correct. So people would call and leave messages and there'd be, there'd be 80 of them at his desk. So he asked his supervisors as a young extension agent, how do we 
get the answers to all these uh, people and his um, the people that were in charge of him at the time said well you can't really you can just answer the ones that look look and see if there's anybody important in the pile and make sure you get back to them and he was like I don't think this is really the best way to serve there must be a better way so he came up with the idea and his history is working with volunteers in another part of his life and he knew that volunteers would really be the answer to this so he started a program kind of from the ground up nobody really expected a lot of success but guess what it was very successful and Oregon picked up the program four years later and we're off and running and here we are 30 years later in the Master Gardener program's going strong. It's in all 50 states, plus in Korea, some Canadian provinces as well. Jordis, um, what's the backstory in terms of you getting involved with the Master Gardener program? Well, that's kind of interesting, too. I lived in a, a regular city lot in southeast Portland and really enjoyed gardening. My husband and I had kind of gotten as far as we could get. We wanted more, so we thought it'd be a good idea to buy 10 acres um, in the Columbia River Gorge area. It occurred to us that we didn't really have all the skills we needed to take care of 10 acres. A lot of the neighbors knew about extension. Um, and then we remembered that we had a friend some years ago that really knew how to take care of his yard. His yard looked great, but he always seemed to know what to do, why to do it, and when to do it. And he mentioned that he was a master gardener. So we investigated and decided that we would take the master gardener program. And it just breathed a whole a lot of life into what we were able to do with that 10 acres. You took the program as a volunteer and then you started working for the program as well as the volunteer coordinator. I just couldn't stay away. There you go. You're listening to Grow PDX on X-Ray FM. We're talking about the Master Gardener Program with Jordis Yost of OSU Extension Service. And now we're going to bring Jane Collier to the conversation. She's a Master Gardener volunteer and joins us by phone from Oregon City. Welcome, Jane. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Esther. Jane, when did you first become a Master Gardener volunteer and why? Well, I took the class in 1996, 20 years ago. I've been a volunteer for 20 years now. Um, I was familiar with the Extension Service and the Master Gardeners because my family had used Extension before. So when my husband and I bought property, just like Jordis, I didn't quite know enough, so I thought, well, this will be a good way to learn more about gardening, and it would be a really fun volunteer opportunity, and it, and it is. Jane, what sorts of activities are you involved with? Well, through all the years that I've been a Master Gardener, I probably participated in every single activity that was available, and I just kind of figured out which ones fit with me the best. And my favorite now is definitely answering the gardening questions. I work the phone lines once a week and go out into the public at the farmer's market and the fairs and the other venues to answer the gardening, excuse me, the gardening questions. I'm also on two different committees in Clackamas County that give gardening talks. We give gardening talks to garden clubs and libraries and other places like that. And of course, one of my favorite activities is to volunteer at the Clackamas County Master Gardener Spring Garden Fair uh -huh. that's held in the Canby Fairgrounds in May. Uh, and that's that's mostly what I do right now. All right, and for folks that don't know, the Spring Garden Fair in May at the Canby Fairgrounds is a fabulous plant sale. You can go there. You can buy plants from lots of different independent vendors. It's lots of fun. There's classes. If you've never been, you should definitely check it out. Jane, tell us more about the phone helpline. So what kinds of questions do people have? 
Well, we get such a variety of questions. People call the helpline when they're having problems with the plants in their, around their own home, in their own home garden. This could be they might have a disease problem, an insect problem, or it might be even weather-related. We also get a lot of how-to questions. You know, is it too early to plant my tomatoes? How do I prune my apple tree? How do I get rid of those moles that are ruining my yard? Or insects. We get a lot of how do I do this questions. People just want more information, and they know that we have research-based information there to give them. And I imagine that when you look things up, you probably learn yourself as well. Oh, so much. That's why I really like answering the phones, because every time you answer a question, you learn something new. Jane, what's one of the most unusual questions you've answered? The most unusual, that's kind of a hard one. Um, We had a really fun question on Monday. This nice lady called the office, and she asked us, she said, how do I kill all these whitish-gray grubs that are in my yard? Because she has this miniature dachshund puppy, and it eats all of these grubs in her yard, and she said it's really disgusting. So we had to tell her that the grubs are actually the larval stage of ground beetles, which are a beneficial insect, Uh and it would not be a good idea to kill these guys off. So she decided she was going to forget about the grubs, and instead she's going to take her dog to obedience class. There you go. That That's really cute. Um, yeah, those grubs are good because uh, ground beetles eat things like sna- or slugs and snails and their eggs and, and other um, grubs in the ground, too. Jane, um, you're an expert on blueberries. I've never, if I've never grown them before, what's the key to growing healthy blueberry plants? Well, uh, thanks for saying I'm an expert. I'm not sure that I exactly would call myself that, but I, have, um, I do have a lot of experience with blueberries, plus OSU has some wonderful publications that we take our information from. And the, probably I would say the most important thing about growing blueberries is having the proper pH. Blueberries need a really low pH, about 4.5 to 5.5, and we've found that 90% of the problems that we see in blueberry plants is caused from the pH being too high. The second thing I think that's very important is something that people forget. After they're done harvesting their blueberries, they sort of forget to water them, and actually that's one of the most important times to keep water on your blueberries because that's when they're setting their berry buds for the following year's berries. And I would say the very third thing that's the most important for berries is after these blueberries are five or six years old, you need to prune them every winter. They need to be pruned because this encourages new growth. And if blueberries grow better on one, two, three, four, and five-year-old wood, so if you continually prune them and encourage new wood, your blueberries can last 50, 60, 70, maybe even 100 years. That's great advice, and let me just recap it and say that folks might want to consider adjusting their pH by using sulfur um, to lower the pH to get it in the range to help the blueberries, watering blueberries late in the summer after harvest to make sure that they um, set up well for the following season, and then pruning are the three steps that Jane's recommended for us. Um, I'm going to send a question to Jordis here. Jordis, what's one of the most unusual questions you've answered? Well, I remember early on in my uh, career as a master gardener, someone called and they wanted to know how they could grow rice in their backyard. Right. Yeah. Rice is not a commonly grown garden crop or nor does it really grow here in Oregon. And Jane, in closing with you, what do you enjoy most about your service with the master gardener program? I just think it's mainly interacting with people. They, you know, they have a problem and they're wondering what can I do and they're 
they're bothered by it, and then when we can find the answer out, they're just so appreciative that we figured it out for them and that we've given them all these ideas. It just gives you such a good feeling to be able to be out there in the community and help these people figure out something about the garden. Thank you, Jane. That's Jane Collier. She's a Master Gardener volunteer, and she joined us by phone from Oregon City. Thanks for joining in with the conversation today, Jane. Thank you, Weston. Take care. You're listening to Grow PDX on X-Ray FM. I'm Weston Miller. We'll be back in a minute. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Portland Nursery. For over 100 years, Portland Nursery has provided Portland residents with a wide selection of healthy plants and expert gardening advice. Community-oriented and family-owned. Portland Nursery, a passion for plants, a nursery for plant people. Located on 50th and Stark and on 90th and Division. Welcome back to Grow PDX. I'm Weston Miller of OSU. Here's a public service announcement. Are you interested in supporting pollinators by reducing or eliminating your use of pesticides? Join thousands of area residents and take the Healthy Lawn and Garden Pledge. It's offered as a public service of Metro, our regional government. To take the Healthy Lawn and Garden Pledge, go online to oregonmetro.gov garden. You'll receive a free pesticide-free zone sign that you can display to show your support of pollinators. Again, go online to oregonmetro.gov garden to take the Healthy Lawn and Garden Pledge today. And now we're going to return to our conversation with Jordis Yost about the Master Gardener Program. Jordis, the Master Gardener Program is part of OSU Extension Service. I imagine that many folks out there might not know about this organization. Tell us more. Well, Extension is really an interesting um, partnership. It, it's usually uh, connected with, in fact, uh, almost always connected with the land-grant university within your state. In um, a land-grant university, so that's Oregon State University down in Corvallis. The Extension Service is kind of like the public outreach wing of that. That's correct. So in 1914, there was a Smith-Lever uh, law, which actually uh, sort of put together this program um, and sent uh, agents into the county to specifically give information relating to agriculture and home economics uh, or, you know, helping people help themselves. So give them the information. So if you think of the name extension, it's actually going into the public as an extension of that land-grant university, Oregon State University. So it's, it's community-based education. It's not the matriculated students down at uh, the OSU campus. It's more folks out in the community. And I'm imagining folks probably do or have heard about 4-H, which is another program of OSU. Also, there's food uh, food nutrition, uh, family community health, there's forestry programs, natural resources, and more, and all of it's community-based education. And as part of that, the Master Gardener program uses a train-the-trainer model of community education. How does that work? Well, if you remember a little bit about what I said about the history, and that is that the agents or the people that have the information become overwhelmed and can't deal with all of the questions. So the idea is to give some more information to people that have an interest and then spread that exponentially from the from the trainers uh, to the new trainees who will then become the trainers and it grows and grows into the community so that the information uh, gets out there in a really effective way. 
concentric rings of impact come to mind. So if uh, just one person is trying to reach a lot, it's pretty difficult. But if you train a bunch of people and then they go out into their neighborhoods and are um, there helping to spread information, then right. the word's going to get out a whole lot faster. That's cool. You've also mentioned research-based information as really one of the strong foundations of the Master Gardener program. Why is that so important? Well, research-based is really sets the, the what this this course, it sets it apart from other gardening activities. The clients have a confidence when you tell them that you are connected, you are part of OSU, uh, specifically OSU Extension Service. They have confidence in the reliability and the credibility, and this is really the foundation for extension. It's what makes this unique. And then the idea with research-based information is that uh, these days, especially, folks can just go on the Internet and find all sorts of information, but how do they know it's reliable? How do they know if the specific um, you know, um, technique for handling aphids is going to be something that's actually going to work or if that's going to be safe? They don't really if they just go to regular Joe's gardening website. But if they go through the extension service and find information there on the website or talk with master gardeners as a conduit of that information, then you know that information is reliable. It's based on scientific research. And that way, folks can be assured that they're getting the real dirt, so to speak. In addition to the telephone helpline and tabling at farmers markets, there's also a lot of other volunteer opportunities. Give us a, a flavor of some of the things that folks do. Well, master gardeners have a great love for gardening, and they like to demonstrate. So there's some demonstration gardens which show how to um, plant and use row covers, compost, and so on. So they can um, do that sort of activity. Master gardeners are also in some very public places. They serve as tour guides and resources in the Rose Garden. So this is the International Rose Test Garden there in Washington Park. Right, and right up on the hill also they're at Piddick Mansion. They do some... Um, outreach work there. They're at the zoo, uh, Crystal Springs Rhododendron Gardens. Those are some of the sort of the high-profile places, but they also uh, have activities and information given at some giant plant sales that they put on in the area. They work with school gardens, um, some great uh, partnerships, Oregon Food Bank. They teach a seed to supper program that was co-written, Master Gardeners and Food Bank. Um, And also they have uh, specific things that they can do within their own communities, and those are kind of a play-by-play sort of um, resource. All right. The common theme, it sounds like, is gardening um, and then education. So Master Gardener volunteers are community-based garden educators. It's really cool. Now, registration is open for the 2017 Master Gardener training. How can people learn more about that, and what should they expect? So there's some great information that really covers probably most of your questions. And you can go to metromastergardeners.org, a website that has good explanations about what's happening. If you have particular questions also, you can contact the Extension uh, office and me directly. And I'll go ahead and add to that that we've got three offerings for folks and registrations open. And you might consider um, option one is the volunteering. So folks take about 56 hours of training and then Uh, provide 56 hours of community service through the course of that season. We also offer that same training without the volunteer commitment. And then lastly, for um, folks who can't afford our regular tuition, we offer a reduced tuition um, option as well. Jordis, what inspires you the most about the Master Gardener program? 
You know, I would have to say that I think it's the people. So the people could include the trainees. We have some longtime uh, volunteers. Some serve over 30 years. It's not the expectation when people take the training that they stay that long, but many do because it inspires such confidence and this ongoing education. Um, the other part of the people is the clients. So people ask master gardeners. They get a live voice. They get a face-to-face at farmers markets and this is really sort of unique in today's way of getting information you can go online but you know if you go online to find information about peaches for instance you might suddenly be getting recipes on peach cobbler or pictures of people's poodle name peaches so this is a really a way for you to go directly to people the human touch to get gardening information jordas tell us about your own garden it sounds like you have 10 acres I have 10 acres. Not all of it is in garden, but we did learn how to take care of some of the invasives like blackberries and so on. I do have a pretty big vegetable garden as well as fruit trees and so on. I'm also a master food preserver, which is another master's program through OSU um, that was modeled after the master gardener program. So I grow the food and I'm able to preserve you it safely. You know what to actually do with it. That's great. Um, we've got a long text. Okay, hold on a sec. Um Okay, we've got a question that says, I have some nice ever-bearing strawberries in raised bed this year. I'm seeing them getting eaten constantly just as they start to get some red color. The insect looks like a micro-sized millipede under magnification. We're certified backyard habitat and pesticide-free. Can you advise? Uh, They mulched early in the season with some straw, and the berries are still producing right now, but they don't get to eat them. Joris, do you have any ideas about that one? Without actually seeing the insect, it's a little hard to say, but I will say access the Master Gardeners. Take a picture of it, send it in via email, bring the insect into the office. Yeah, and if it's a very small millipede, it might be a symphylon. Symphylons are pesky little critters that really like a lot of organic matter. It sounds like you got it there. And unfortunately, there's not a lot you can do about symphylons once they're established in an area. There also definitely are small millipedes that get in there around strawberries as well. So it actually could just be a a smaller type millipede. I think um, a couple ideas is to practice some good hygiene. So get in there and remove any of the, the dead and dying material and see if that helps. Also, moving forward, I would consider growing strawberries in containers. Um, They're relatively easy to grow in larger type containers. And if you um, get potting soil and then add some lime and some, um, some good fertilizer to it, very possible to grow high quality strawberries and ever-bearing strawberries in a container in the future. And then you'll have less pesky critters to deal with. And then I'd say overall with strawberries, slugs and snails are some of the most common problems people have. And finding and squashing them is something that people can do. And then weeding strawberries can also be tough. You want to control any perennial weeds before you really get too far into it. And Jordis, um, give us like two gardening tasks that people should be doing at this time of the season. Well, um, one thing people are concerned about, of course, is all the leaves that fall. So one thing you can do is get the leaves off of the areas where the leaves can sort of suffocate a lawn and things like that. And actually, you can sort of chop up and redistribute those leaves and add more organic matter uh, to your beds. It's a nice 
uh, cover. You can put it on your vegetable gardens. It keeps the rain from compacting the soil. So leave um, the leaves, in other words. So remove it from the lawn and other places where it's smother plants. But if you keep the resource on site, it's a fabulous soil conditioner. It adds great organic matter to vegetable garden beds. It can also be used in landscape beds. It's just not a common mulch that most people think looks good necessarily, but it breaks down and forms really excellent soil. That's great advice. What about w another gardening task? Um, I think you can really start looking at your landscape as the leaves fall off and just sort of check in on things that need to be pruned. The first step in pruning is, you know, taking things out of that are broken or dead, uh, things that are crossing each other. You really get a good idea once the leaves are gone how things actually look in the structure of your garden. That's great advice as well. That's Jordis Josh. She's with OSU Extension Service, Master Gardener Program. Thank you so much for being here. And that's been Grow PDX on X-Ray FM for this week. The program is produced by Dan and Drips and me, Weston Miller. Next week, we'll be talking about the Xerces Society for Invertebrate Conservation. Take care.